1: We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine.
0: Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 219. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so happy for you to be here with us on this Monday. We have a really exciting interview with our friend Shane Ware. You can find him on Instagram at somewhere, W-A-R-E, At Disney. Of course, his link to his Instagram will be in the show notes below if you want to get familiar with his work before we learn more about his Disney story. A couple of housekeeping notes. Last week, we had two really wonderful episodes come out on Monday. We talked to Shannon from Second Star Collective, and on Wednesday, we continued our storytelling series with Star Tours. We also continue storytelling this upcoming Wednesday, talking about It's Tough to Be a Bug. Anybody familiar with me knows that it is almost impossible for me to sit through that attraction. So this will be an interesting storytelling episode, to say the least. So I hope you can join us for that. Hope you enjoy this interview. So without further ado, we're going to turn it over to Shane. He's going to introduce himself and tell us one random fact that we may not know about him from social media.
2: All right. Uh, So I am Shane Ware. Uh, My Instagram, as you mentioned, is somewhere at Disney, which is a pun on my last name. I've had people ask me if I know that I have spelled it incorrectly. And yes, I do. I do know that it is (laughs) incorrectly spelled. Um, And the fun fact about me is that I have actually lived abroad. So I lived in Cork, Ireland for six
0: months for a work uh, placement. Wow. Well, that is fun. Where is Cork in relation to some of the major cities that we would know in Ireland? So it is about two and a half, three
2: hours uh, driving south of Dublin. So kind of along the southeastern coast of the country.
1: That's pretty cool. So did you get to also, I guess, travel other places while you were over there for six months? Or did you just try to stay in Cork?
2: So, uh, most of my time was spent in Cork, but, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my fiance, um, came over for three weeks and we went to London for a half a week and Paris for a half a week and then just explored Ireland for the rest of the time. Um, I also separately went to Amsterdam for a week for a work conference that was over there and that was really cool as well. Uh, so yeah, I've got to explore a little bit of Europe and it's very weird um, living in a different country. Um, I mean, luckily, there, there was no language barrier or anything, but it's just so different when you visit a country versus when you live there because you don't think of all the logistical things you need like... Social security cards and like, where do I get my groceries and, you know, (laughs) bus routes and all of that stuff that you don't generally have to worry about as much when you're just traveling. Uh, It's it's a cool experience. I'd recommend it if you ever get to uh, get to do it.
0: Well, That is fascinating. Uh, we'll have to ask you later about that off air because that is a very interesting experience, I'm sure, and I'd love to know more about that. But let's lay that foundation. And if you share, what is your Disney story? How did you uh, fall in love with it? How has it grown over time? And, and kind of what is that evolution of it? Uh huh. So um, I.
2: My Disney story is a little bit different than most, I would say, uh, because I didn't really fall in love with the parks as a kid. I don't have a ton of nostalgia for them growing up. Uh, I went once when I was five and once when I was almost eight, seven, uh, I was seven years old. Uh, my parents took my brother and I both for each of our fifth birthdays. So I was almost eight when he turned five. Um And I don't really remember much of it. Um, I remember a few things. I remember seeing the fireworks at Epcot, which I believe at the time was Illuminations. It was, I think it had just kind of started around that time. Uh, originally, and then I remember, oddly enough, the Terminator show at Universal. I don't know why that stuck with me. <laughs> of all of the things that we did, um, but so I was a theme park guy growing up, but it was much more uh, of a roller coaster guy. So uh, Six Flags, um, and we would go to Cedar Point, which is a coaster park in Ohio, and we'd go there every other year or so because uh, my my mom grew up. In Michigan. And so they grew up going as kids. And so, uh, it was kind of that tradition that they passed down. Uh, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I traveled to Disney, um, in 2014 with again, same girlfriend who is now fiance. Um, and we went for like three days And we had no idea what we were doing. We had like the wrong fast passes and like no dining reservations. We had absolutely no clue. Uh, We stayed at all star movies, uh, but we had like the best time and just fell in love with the parks then. And after that, we realized how much research is required to go. And so we started planning another trip and, uh, we went three years later in 2017 for like a full week around the holidays. So we went to Disney, I think for five days and universal for three, we were at universal on Christmas day. Uh, and it was a really good time. And, uh, because we were going for so long, we did kind of that cost benefit analysis of the annual pass and we each got annual passes at Disney and kind of the floodgates opened from there where, uh, it was like we were going, you know, two or three times a year. Uh, last year I went quite a few times until of course the coronavirus hit in March. Um, and I was going like, every other month, but I, I generally just go on on weekends. So like I, I would only take one day off of work, fly out on like a sometimes zero days off of work, fly out like a Friday night and then come back Sunday night uh, just for a quick weekend getaway. Um, but yeah, uh, we love to travel. Disney is one of those destinations that we keep going back to, but we go to plenty of others as well.
0: And I feel like, you know, people will talk to people in their network that a lot of times that a first trip like that where you didn't do the planning, a lot of times that's the one and done for a lot of people. Are both of you like the research type that once you realize that there was so much more that you could do with it, that that hooked on for you? So I am, uh, my fiance <laughs> is not, uh, I'm very
2: much the the planner when we go to any sort of trip, putting together all the hotels and, and stuff. And for the Disney one, I just read about every blog in existence and, uh, planned it that way. Um, I use Disney tourist blog a lot, which is Tom Bricker's site. I'm sure you guys are aware of that one um mm-hmm. but there's plenty of others easy is pretty good as well good for touring plans there uh, touringplans.com is also another good one but um there there's so many resources it's it's wild to see just how much of an economy that one vacation destination has Created, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there's photographers, there's bloggers, there's podcasts like the one we're on now, there's vloggers. It's there's so much that has just spawned from visiting four theme parks. It's just crazy. Every time I think about it.
0: It is crazy and it's kind of daunting, but it's also, you know, our goal here, of course, is that anybody who wants to jump in and, and start flexing that creative outlet, that also means there's so many different opportunities in so many different areas that you can go into. Uh, on yeah. there. I'm also interested, you mentioned that you were kind of a theme park junkie growing up. I know you're located in Texas now. Did you grow up in Texas? You mentioned Cedar Point, but I know Texas also has some really wonderful uh, Six Flags parks as well. So I grew up uh, in the Dallas
2: suburbs. Um, I now live in Austin, uh, but I grew up going to Six Flags Over Texas a lot growing up. Uh, I've been to the one in San Antonio, Fiesta, Texas. Uh, I just went last year, Um, but they they do a decent job of getting some good coasters. They had the first RMC uh coaster with at Six Flags over Texas with the the Texas Giant which was the the very first RMC conversion from wood to steel and that kind of spawned all sorts of RMC coasters now there's it's tons of different varieties of them, but they're, uh, I think Florida is getting one iron Guazi. I think is what it's called. Um, I think it's at Bush gardens. I, I'm not completely familiar with it, but, uh, if you haven't rode any RMC coasters, they are completely wild and they kind of combine what's good about steel coasters and wood coasters in the
0: same ride. I feel like since both of us grew up in Tennessee and in Nashville, the, exposure that we had to Six Flags was so different than everybody else. We had Six Flags Kentucky Kingdom. Is that what it was called?
1: Yeah, and it was pitiful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was not good. Eventually, Six Flags just dropped their name off of it, and then they were a freestanding park. They closed for a while, and now I think they come back. But anyway, Dollywood, that's the cream of the crop. So I do want to go to... Have you been recently? We went... That would have been like twenty. 12. So it's been quite a while. It's been
1: a while. We were supposed to go this summer,
0: Uh, (laughs) but we didn't get to. Because they have, I think, is that the park with
2: the lightning rod? Yes. So that's also RMC. And I've heard that one is just insane. And I can't wait to ride it eventually.
0: (laughs) They also have one of those winged coasters. And I don't know the correct terminology for it, (laughs) but it's actually like uh, Eagle. So you're on the Eagle's wings. And we... Wrote it, I think, like six or seven times. In yeah, one day that was really time. cool. So they have a version of that at Cedar Point. It's the
2: same type of coaster um, called Gatekeeper, but uh, it's it's relatively new, I think, within the last five years or so. Um, but that coaster or that park has, I think, like 17 coasters or something. And it's them and uh, Magic Mountain in L.A., that compete for like the number of coasters in one park. And like, depending on which one closes a coaster or builds a new one at any given time, uh, they keep flip-flopping for who has the most.
0: Hmm. That's cool. There's like a whole subculture of amusement parks that we just never got to. We're going to no, have to, we're circle have back.
1: to Uh-huh.
2: It's so different. Like, I I mean, Disney does the experience better than any of them, of course. uh, And like the theming. But in terms of pure like adrenaline rush, there's just no substitute.
0: Well, and it's like I'm very torn on SeaWorld. I know people have very strong opinions on SeaWorld on both sides of the aisle. But then you see some of the coasters that they have. And yeah. You want to go and then they're partnered with Bush Gardens, of course, and you, they have awesome coasters. So, we're gonna have to check them out eventually. Mm-hmm. What's the brand new one that they have at SeaWorld?
2: Uh, is it Manta? Is that the new yes. one? Yeah, or is well, that the old one? What's the
0: newest? I don't even know the names of them. I just,
1: I know we just watch it on YouTube, <laughs> so we only enough. know these names because we see them on YouTube, <laughs> right?
0: Right, <laughs> but yeah, I, and then they're supposed to open up a new one soon as well. So. Mm-hmm. They're definitely investing in that area. Nice.
1: So now that we have a better understanding of your Disney story and your theme park history, how did you get started in photography? And then how did that lead into you starting your account?
2: Okay. Uh, So I... Growing up, I always did these little like video shorts with, you know, friends and just messing around with cameras. Uh, and so when I went to college, I had some extra credit hours from taking like college classes in high school. And so um, my advisor said that I could do two, two majors if I wanted to. And so I ended up dual majoring. One of my majors was finance, which is what my day job is in currently. Uh, And my other major was radio, television, film. And I did mostly writing and directing. I did some visual effects. So Adobe After Effects was something that I sort of self-taught myself in college and did a lot of work with. Um, But I was never really behind the actual camera. I was never really operating it, didn't know much of the terminology. And it was always sort of a weak point of mine that I didn't really know the visual language of filmmaking as much as I knew just the writing aspect of it. And so after uh, Allie and I, Allie's my fiance, um, after we started traveling so much, we figured we'd go to so many different places, we should probably pick up a camera Um, And I had always been wanting to get one anyways, just because of that background. And so it sort of fell into place where we were traveling a lot and we were kind of falling in love with Disney at the same time that I was sort of falling in love with photography. I bought an A6500, which is a Sony mirrorless camera, and took so many terrible photos in so many places that I wish I could go back to and take better photos at. But just it was kind of photography and Disney hit my life kind of at the same time. Uh, so it was kind of a natural progression to start taking photos in the parks. And the parks are such a good place to learn photography because it's very accessible. Like you don't have to worry about, you know, safety or you don't have to worry about rules or or. Finding good locations or anything like that. There's just so much that is dumped onto you that is pretty and easy to photograph, uh, that you can just go crazy. There's such a variety like if you think about it, if you go during Halloween, you've got Boo to you, which is like super dark. And you need a fast shutter speed because there's performers. So that's one aspect of photography. Then there's fireworks, which is longer exposures. Then there's architecture with all of the different things within Disney that you can take photos of. And it's all within like 15 minutes of each other. And it's all in this one location. And if you miss a shot, let's say you're trying to take a a photo of like Peter Pan, the dark ride. And you want the Wendy figure in, in the ride and you miss the shot just go get back in line, do it again, try it until you get it. And so it's such a cool place because that repeatability is not really anywhere else. Um, where, you know, if you miss a moment elsewhere, then that moment may not not ever happen again, but everything is so rehearsed at Disney that you can just keep practicing until you get it right. And that's a great thing for new photographers to be exposed to because you can just keep practicing and keep getting better.
0: And that makes a lot of sense. And something that I pull out uh, from a lot of photography accounts, but, but yours in particular as well, is that there's also so much interest between a lot of these people that we're fortunate enough that we go so often and we are you know, always trying to improve on previous shots or capture something new or a new angle. And there's so much of the photography in Disney is all about how do you perceive the parks? And we're trying to gain new perspectives and realize that there's a sight line that we didn't realize was there before. If you, you know, went 20 yards to the right, there's just so much of that. Do you do you find that that, you know, keeps it refreshing as well, where it's it's not something where, all right, I've photographed everything here. My work is done.
2: Yeah. So I think early on, everyone has that sort of bucket list that they go through where it's like you look up a bunch of pictures of Disney World and you're like, oh, that's a cool shot. Oh, that's a cool shot. And I'm going to go try this and see if I can get something like that. Um, And we all start there. And so I think by now I've gotten most of those out of the way where it's like, you know, you have the middle of Main Street shot after close. You have the middle of Main Street shop before open, which is another one that I just got this past weekend. Um, But so once you start knocking off all of those, it's more about how can you take things you've done before and maybe do them slightly better than you've done before, or maybe you put a different edit on it or take it at a different time, or maybe there's a, an amazing sunset behind it that changes the same shot you've taken a million times, but now it's got a prettier sky behind it or something like that. And so there's constant ways to just keep iterating on the same, you would think like the same, you know, 20 objects at Disney are like the things to photograph, but you can just approach it in so many different ways. And I see that within the community where everybody just tries to, you know, maybe take a reflection of this, or maybe take this one. I don't know with a, different lens than I would have otherwise. And, uh, so there's constant ways to do it. Another, uh, cool thing is if you start to get into video a little bit, you can start to take shots that you've done in photos and edit it or not edit it, but redo it, um, in video and start to worry about, you know, camera movements and zooming in or zooming out or, hiding it and revealing it with a, a different object. And that adds just another layer of complexity that that you can never get bored with it. And then, of course, Disney is always opening something new. So, you know, Star Wars was a big one when that opened up. It was just a new playground to go take photos in of things you would never taken photos of. Uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway just opened and they put that sign uh, over the... Chinese theater. So now you've got a different main street view. They just repainted the castle. So go retake all of the shots you've already taken, but with new colors. Uh, So it's, it's never boring.
1: So the possibilities really are endless (laughs) is what it sounds like. So when you go now, now that you do have all of this experience and you do frequent the parks, do you, Still, typically, like make that shot list, like what you were describing before, or do you prefer to just kind of go and see what you discover and just kind of like grab inspiration in that way?
2: It's a little of both. There will be some times where, um, you know, there's a shot that just I always forget to take every single time. So it's like, okay, I need to make sure I get this one this time. Um, Or maybe something you think of while you're outside of the parks. And so you want to make sure to get that um but otherwise it's just kind of wandering around seeing what's there especially now the parks are so different and a lot more empty um i just got back actually on sunday uh from going and so it's it's different because there's all these new procedures and there's the cavalcades now that come by and the parks are just like considerably more empty that you just have sightlines that you would never have during the day I have a photo of the Millennium Falcon in broad daylight with no people in it. And it's just so weird just to get that photo because that's never happened um, <laughs> since the the land has been open. So um, it's a little different now. Um, but a lot of the times I'm just kind of wandering around. And if I see something, then I'll stop and grab it. <laughs> Um, especially now that I'm not really on a schedule anymore when I go, um, it's more just hanging out in the parks and meeting up with friends and just enjoying my time there, kind of turning my brain off. So it's more just wandering.
1: So from like a photography perspective, do you prefer the parades? Like how it you know normally would be, or do you prefer like the cavalcades and the like stationary type of character interactions.
2: They both give you different things. Um, One heavy advantage of the cavalcades is that you're not competing with thousands of other people for a spot, you can just kind of walk up and there's nobody around you. Um, The Merida walking down main street one is like the, I guess the most popular at the moment where she is on a horse and goes right down main street. And when I walked up to get a photo of that, there were no people on main street at like at all. And so It's just very strange because first off, they happen every 15, 20 minutes or so, and they're somewhat random. But second, like you can just kind of walk up and take your photos and there's not many people around. So they'll almost always look at you. Um, But the other the other downside to that is you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, I guess if you go multiple times during uh, this period of Park operations and you could start to get a a feel for it. But so it was different, Um, but I guess it's refreshing kind of. It's like you shot the same thing a thousand times and now it's slightly different. So it's uh, a little bit more fun.
0: Yeah, I feel like this would I mean, obviously, this is not good in any way of what's currently going on. However. I will probably be more excited to see festival of fantasy than I've ever been in my entire life. Returns. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I would agree. It, Cause it
2: kind of went for me as the big one. Oh
1: yes. Yeah. Like, I, I
2: love that show to begin with. Like uh, just, it always just affects me emotionally when I watch that show and now having not seen it for, you know, I didn't even see it the last time I was there. Cause of course I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, but, I mean, it's been probably almost a year since I've seen that show.
0: We were talking about the other day. Phantasmic was one that we took for granted for the longest time. We haven't seen Phantasmic probably in five years. I have a, it's like a fun story about Phantasmic.
2: Oh, let's so uh, I've actually not seen Fantasmic <laughs> so, <laughs> and the reason why is because when I went to Disney World everybody said the Disneyland version was significantly better and so I was like I'll just wait until I go to Disneyland and then I'll see it there and that way I'm not like my first impression of it isn't the inferior version. Uh, so we made our first trip to Disneyland a few years ago. Um, and we did like the blue Bayou dining package for Fantasmic got like the front row seat. We're sitting there. The show is going, the the pirate ship goes by and then the whole thing just stops. And they're like, we're sorry. Fantasmic is closed due to technical difficulties. And I just have not seen it since then. Cause I'm so mad about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no. Well, I kind of feel like your approach was backwards too because you can't see the better one and then watch the downgraded version.
2: That's true. You got to save the best
0: for the last, right? Yeah. <laughs> we just, due to poor planning, we missed Fantasmic completely in Disneyland. Yeah. The problem is we went on a Halloween party night. Ah, uh, okay. When it was still in Disneyland and not in DCA. Right. so we had poor planning. We didn't think about that. It would be shown much earlier. And I think they even didn't show it one night. Mm -hmm. Disneyland
2: is weird because it's like, you have to choose. Do you want to watch Fantasmic or Fireworks somewhat? If you want to see like the projections on Main Street, but they're right next to each other. So (laughs) it's very weird in that, like you can't, you can't make it over with enough time to get a good spot, but if you just sit in your phantasmic spot, you can you can at least see the fireworks. Uh, but you kind of have to choose each day. And so, for the one we chose the fireworks, the next day we chose phantasmic, and I wish we'd have flipped it because phantasmic would have uh, probably operated correctly that night. <laughs>
1: Do you think if you go back to Disneyland, you'll give it a second chance?
2: (laughs) So I did and I didn't go. I went for uh, I went for the Galaxy's Edge opening weekend and uh, we were just we had Galaxy's Edge reservations for that night that we were at Disneyland. And so we didn't have time to go out for fire or for Fantasmic because we were in the land back then they did the reservation system. So you had like three hours in Galaxy's Edge that you were allotted. And it was a very weird system. Like the parks were that was the most dead I've ever seen Disneyland. Like nobody showed up because if you didn't have a Star Wars reservation, then people didn't want to fight the crowds. But because enough people thought that there were no crowds at all. You could like walk through front, Frontierland at eleven o'clock and nobody was there. It was weird.
0: I remember seeing videos from that time period. And yeah, it's Almost eerie, but, um, yeah, I'm also interested to know, you know, since your Disney fandom is not as historic as maybe some other people in the community, but it's fairly fresh. And then you created the account, uh, I guess in 2019. So since then, how have your park visits changed? Do you think now is photography kind of on your forefront of your mind or is it still about the experiences, uh, the food, the rides, everything that goes along with that Um, kind of, how do you balance those two interests?
2: It's a little bit of both. Um, I would say At first, it was mostly just experiencing the parks and doing a lot of the stuff that I hadn't done before. But now I feel like I've done most of the activities that Disney World has to offer, aside from like the the VIP tours and uh, wild Africa treks, stuff like that. Uh, and so now it's, it's more just hanging out. Um, photography is certainly a big part of it because I have a lot of photographer friends that live in Orlando. So I'll go meet up with them and we'll all go take photos of the parks, like a bunch of dorks. Um, but I wouldn't say it's the primary reason I go, but it's definitely a bigger reason than in the past. Um, just because, as I said, it, it's like a photography playground, right? Um, I mean, I've taken photos all over the world, but Disney is by far the most uh, accessible in that you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to hike up a mountain to get a shot. It's just like you show up to the parks and there's a bunch of pretty things to take photos of, and they're always going to be there. And so it's just a, a good way to just go hang out with friends and take a bunch of photos and yeah. I don't know.
1: Well, we love that. And I think, you know, that community aspect is something that we talk about a lot because, you know, that's what we really cling to is finding those other people who have those similar interests. And, you know, the photography community is something that we didn't know a whole lot about until of course we have mutual friends, Sarah and Jeff adults in Disney. and. Jeff is big into photography also. And yeah. it's fun to see that there's more than just like podcasting or bloggers or, you know, Instagram or well, Instagram kind of falls into the same category. But
0: Well, they're different. Right.
1: Well, you, where else are you gonna put your pictures, <laughs> Brendan?
0: I don't know if many photographers would call themselves Instagrammers. I guess that's the okay, difference.
1: I understand. But it is cool that there is a a community for everybody who is interested in Disney, no matter what your talents or, you know, interests are.
2: Yeah, totally agree. And I actually (laughs) shot with uh, Jeff multiple times this past weekend because he was in some of the same parks that I was.
0: Well, good deal. Well, this has been a wonderful first half of the episode. We thank you so much for sharing your story and the story of your photography and, and what interests you. Uh, I know our listeners appreciate it as well. We're going to take, take a quick break, hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back for the fast pass round.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Karma and Kismet. Now's the time to get ready for fall and hopefully some cooler fall weather. So with that being said, you're going to need some long sleeve t-shirts. Our creative friend Kelly has some great designs including one that's perfect for spooky season with the Sanderson sisters. So if you're interested in looking at some new fall apparel or just checking out Kelly's cool designs, you should head over to karmaandkismetdesigns.com or you can check her out on Etsy at karma the letter n kismet and you can use the code detour10 to get 10% off your purchase. Okay, we're back. Are you ready? I am. Okay, so the first question is, what is the worst thing you've ever eaten in Disney?
2: Oh, man. I I don't think I've had anything bad. Um, Any of... any of the magic kingdom's quick service aside from sleepy hollow
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's fair (laughs) um
2: i i magic kingdom is like the biggest missed opportunity for me because whenever you go to disneyland there's just like so much good food around every corner and then you go to magic kingdom and you're like what happened It's like this it's a castle park it's operated by the same
0: company how is this
2: the food so different
0: uh, and I feel like it's even worse right now. There's no yeah. Harbor house. Yeah. There's uh, well, Gaston's is opening up by the time yeah. this episode comes out. Gaston's will be open again. So at least that's helpful a little bit. I missed out on
2: the uh, LeFou's brew this past trip. Cause it wasn't open.
1: That's all I've been wanting since It's in here.
0: <laughs> and the Cheshire cattail is now at cosmic rays. So the world is returning back to its <laughs> rightful place. So next one is what character do you think you are most similar to? Oh, gosh. Um, Who's the
2: nerdiest one? (laughs) I don't know. Um, Let me think about this. I guess. Well, okay. I know the answer because I'm a photographer. It's got to be Peter Parker, right?
1: Oh, that's a good one. I would have never so he's thought
2: of that. A, a dork who likes photography. And I'm a dork who likes photography. So, Peter Parker.
0: Uh, if your boss listens, do you have a J. Jonah Jameson in your life as well? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> so, next would be your favorite attraction in Hollywood studios
2: Rise of the Resistance. Although Mickey and Minnie's is very good. So rise is weird to me because I think the on-ride portion of Mickey and Minnie's is better than the on-ride portion of rise, but everything that comes before that, like the pre-show and the shuttle and the reveal into the Stormtrooper room puts rise into that, like, half attraction, half walkthrough attraction kind of category. And so that elevates it for me. Although getting on that ride is still terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's something that we've talked about before is that it's almost unfortunate that they both came out at the same time because everyone compares them and they are so different in the way that it's set up.
2: Yeah. Um, and I I hate that most people's first experience of Mickey and Minnie's have the pre-show because right now they're not running it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always tell people, like, at least go watch the pre-show on YouTube before you see the, or before you ride the ride for the first time, because there's a cool little tech reveal that you'll totally miss if you don't uh, like if you were to ride it for the first time right now.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and it's almost unfortunate because I think they could pull it off if they wanted to. Uh, to show Yeah, the freak yeah I, I think it's mainly just
2: to keep uh, people from being in the same room
0: for extended
2: amounts of time.
0: Yeah. yeah. So next one is your favorite attraction in Animal Kingdom. Flight of Passage, bar none. I think that's my favorite attraction at Walt Disney world. Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Even over rise, um, rise is like an action movie and, and it's really cool, but it doesn't like tug on your heartstrings at all. And I feel like flight of passage when you like come out of that cave and the music kicks up and you're like, I feel like that's like the emotional hook that I need in a ride, even though I don't even really like avatar as a movie. Like it's fine. And it's weird, like I love Star Wars, so you would think, but no, Flight of Passage does it for me.
0: I've, I'm have i not a big fan of Avatar either, and I don't know if anybody else listens to the Joe Rogan experience. I know he's controversial as well. I'm just bringing up all the controversial topics, but uh, Joe was talking the other day about James Cameron, about how... People left Avatar and there was like a actual effect that uh, the healthcare community saw of people depressed that they couldn't, that Avatar was not their real life, that they couldn't find an (laughs) escape like that. And I immediately thought this ride captures a lot of that, of what people are looking for. Um, And I had never noticed that distinction before. Avatar is
2: weird because... If you watch it at home, it doesn't give you nearly the same experience as it did. It, it's almost like you're watching it like when you watch a ride on YouTube versus when you actually ride the ride, uh, because I saw that in IMAX 3D and it was like the most mind blowing thing. But if I watch it now, it's like, oh, it's fine. It's pretty. It's just it's totally not the same because you don't have like the the floor to ceiling screen and I mean, I do have surround sound, but it's not nearly as good as the theater that I saw it in. And so it's a lot of people like to to look back on Avatar and say it's terrible. But I I feel like if you saw it in theaters, it it leaves a different impression on you than if you saw it for the first time outside of theaters.
1: Hmm, That's a good point. So speaking of movies, what is your favorite Disney movie?
2: If you count Star Wars, it's The Empire Strikes Back. If you don't count Star Wars, it's The Lion King uh, for like a classic and Moana for the more recent movies.
1: Those are all solid choices.
0: (laughs) Next one is where would you want to take Walt for a drink? Nomad Lounge. 100 percent.
2: That's the best bar at Walt Disney World.
1: Yeah, we've recently discovered Nomad Lounge. I don't know what we've been doing in the past. but oh, it's, it's awesome. It's a game changer.
2: Did you go with uh, Sarah and Jeff?
0: <laughs> we did not, surprisingly. <laughs> They're huge uh, Nomad Lounge fans, too. I, yeah, <laughs> I and mean, I think I texted Jeff when we walked in and said, I know you're not in town, but I halfway just expected to see you sitting in there. <laughs> <laughs> They're huge Nomad
2: Lounge fans for good reason.
0: I think, Catherine, you just love it so much because you have just... You have this fantasy in your head that we're going to walk in and Joe Rody is sitting at the bar.
1: Doesn't and everybody?
0: That's why everybody goes there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Everyone goes for like a surprise Joe Roddy sighting. I think.
0: I met I him
2: do. at Galaxy's Edge on D23 weekend last year. It was him and Scott Trowbridge and they were just wandering through the marketplace and we ran into them. So I have a picture with both of them.
0: <laughs> that's Catherine's dream. I think I'm speechless His right ear now. is as
2: big <laughs> in real life as, as it is in the, the videos.
1: Oh my God. That's incredible.
0: So next one, what is your favorite meal on property?
2: <laughs> um, favorite meal on property is probably the steak from Tiffin's. um, I would do the like the back before when Rivers of Light was first opening, they had a dining package where you would get like an appetizer, an entree and a dessert at Tiffin's. Uh, And it ended up being cheaper than buying those things separately. And we didn't even watch Rivers of Light. Like we would just get that package because it was a discounted dining package versus buying all of those things separately. And we would just go to Tiffin's and then we would like give the fast pass thing to some random family and be like, Hey, you want,
0: you want a good spot
2: at rivers of light? There you go. Rest yeah, in probably, peace. You probably like rivers of their, light.
1: their hopes up. They're like, Oh my gosh. I know, this is right? awesome. <laughs> and then they're like, this is why they gave it to us. <laughs>
2: yeah. I love their, I love the soundtrack for rivers of light. I listened to it while working a bunch, but the show was just, It was there.
1: It left something to be desired. So, next would be who's your favorite villain?
2: Huh. Does Darth Vader count? I'll go with Darth Vader.
0: If you did not give a Star Wars intro, I was going to ask you who
2: your favorite Star Wars villain is. Or, I mean, Kylo Ren is pretty good too. I think they did a pretty good job with his character. The. The movies kind of fell apart near the end uh, in the sequel trilogy but Ben Solo was always the kind of the highlight of those movies
0: yeah I can get behind that I think he had the best arc of anybody
2: yeah for sure trilogy. he had that nice little lightsaber handoff and the little shrug
0: uh, in the last one that was good that was good Damn. So we've got to end it with another food question. So what is your favorite snack in the parks?
2: Uh, I'll go with the churro toffee at Disneyland. Um, I guess it's technically at California Adventure. I'm not sure if it's fully ported over to actual Disneyland park, but it's basically just a giant thing of toffee and they coat it with white chocolate and the churro cinnamon sugar. And it is great. Actually, um, if you follow Disney Hungry on Instagram, she has a recipe for it. I haven't made it yet, but I see her stories all the time where she's like restoring people that have made it. So it's got to be on my my quarantine uh, baking list at some point is to make that.
0: I have so much respect for anybody who can do that. I don't have the guts to do it because I feel like I'm going to ruin things for myself.
1: Yeah, we'd make it and it'd be gross and then we wouldn't want to try the real thing. Like we've had,
0: you know, we rave about Violet Sake all the time. We've had people send us copycat recipes for Violet Sake. It's like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this to myself. Like it's (laughs) such a special treat to get it in Epcot. I've still never had it actually. Oh,
2: I need to do that. It's always on my list and it's, it's like those photos. I just, I, uh, I always forget to take. Uh, Certain photos at certain times like that. one. So the one photo that has always evaded me is that um, the one of Everest, how, you know, that monument in front of Everest is shaped exactly the same as Everest. If you're looking at it, like the same profile of it, you know what I'm talking about? Um, I've never taken that shot and I always walk by and I'm like, oh, I should take this shot. But the lighting's not really that great. I'll come back later. And then I never do. It's like that (laughs) for the Violet Saki. I'm like, oh, I should try that later once I'm not so full. And I never do.
0: Well, I, you like it, Catherine, right? But it, you don't like rave over it.
1: Yeah, it's not my favorite thing at Epcot. It, uh,
0: it's almost too sweet, but it's just like just sweet enough. It tastes like a Jolly Rancher almost. <laughs> it's quite interesting. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> You'll, it's worth trying at least once. Okay. It's only, we actually got it last night. It's only $8.50 which by Disney drink that's, standards is that's pretty cheap for yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean that's as much
2: as a or it's slightly more than a blue milk, right?
0: I think that's 7.99. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. so. Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, thank you for answering these questions for us and letting us more into your Disney fandom. One last question that we ask all of our guests is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community, maybe they want to start an Instagram account and become a photographer, maybe they want to open up a shop, whatever it might be, what would be your advice to that person? I would say just ask
2: questions and never stop learning things. Um, And that's just true of anything, not necessarily just this community or hobby, but just you're never going to know everything about the thing that you're doing. And so never get complacent, I guess. So always (laughs) seek out new things to do or new things to learn, um, because none of us are perfect. None of us are going to be experts at this thing, especially right away. So. Don't get discouraged if you don't immediately know everything because nobody ever does.
1: As a teacher, I can say I love that advice and it definitely aligns with everything that you talked about earlier with, you know, using Disney for photography as kind of that entry point where you can learn from those mistakes and try and try and try again until you get that shot. So I think that's advice that everyone can use no matter what project they're working on. So thank you for that. The last thing, of course, is just, Shane, remind us where we can find you on social media. Uh,
2: So my uh, Instagram handle
0: is somewhere, but spelled W-A-R-E, Disney. (laughs) So we will put the link to Shane's account down in the show notes. So we highly suggest going over there and connecting with him. So, Shane, thank you so much for joining us. We had a blast chatting with you.